Hey guys, it's Tats here from Castagra, and welcome to the Specified Growth Podcast. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and codings industry. Today's guest is Doug Baville. He's the Vice President of Manufacturing Solutions at Construct Connect. So, Doug, thank you, thank you for uh, joining us today. My pleasure, Tots. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I was, you know, I always do a little bit of research before I go into these interviews. And I, I came across your Instagram page and it has one photo. And you're throwing a pitch. It looks like in a stadium <laughs> with a big <laughs> smile on your face. Tell me about that photo. So that was the first year that in St. Louis, Missouri, that, that the new Bush Stadium had opened for the Cardinals, for the St. Louis Cardinals. And I was the chief operating officer for a global door hardware company called Hager. And we were, we were very close to the Cardinal organization and Enterprise Rental Car, who you've heard of, I'm sure. Yes, yes. So the chairman of Enterprise, Andrew Taylor, had invited my boss, who was Rusty Hager, the CEO of the Hager companies, because of a donation we'd made to a, to a local group that we got to throw out the first pitch at the game and got to use their luxury box. Mm. So my boss walked in on Monday morning and said, you're throwing out the first pitch in two weeks at the uh, St. Louis Cardinals game on Saturday. I'm too old and fat to do it. So I was actually skinnier and younger then. So the rest is kind of history. So <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I, I've never done that. I mean, I played tennis back in the day, but if I were to be asked to do that, I'd be nervous that I'd miss the mark. I mean, did you practice? How did it oh, go? Yeah. So the Saturday before that, I was watching the game on TV to see who was throwing out the first pitch. And it was a guy by the name of Chase Daniel, who is in the NFL right now. He was the starting quarterback for the Missouri Tigers. And Chase got up on the mound and quickly put it in the dirt. <laughs> and I told my son, I said, get your ball glove. We're going up to the, <laughs> to the local church ball yard to practice because I'm not putting it in the dirt. So uh, it's nerve wracking, uh, Todd's for sure. You get there and you're standing in the middle of that stadium and you've got the Pittsburgh Pirates in one bullpen. The Cardinals are in the other bullpen. Albert Pujols, all the superstars are standing around. And my son was sitting there as I walked up to the mound. My name's up in the, on the scoreboard, my title with the company. And the PA announcer said to my son, Aaron, do you think your dad's going to throw a good pitch? And throughout the stadium, all I could hear was his voice say, I hope so. <laughs> so I did get it over, got it over the plate, not in the dirt. Because I told the guy I was throwing to, the cardinal I was throwing to, that I was not going to put it in the dirt. It's either <laughs> going to go over his head or in his, into, his, into his glove. So. Anyway, it's an experience that that was. It, I'm glad I got to do it. I'd do it again with more confidence. I guess. I guess. Yeah, so, wonderful. That's great. Yeah. Now, that was thank just... you. Thank you for asking. That's a great story. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, that's that's definitely a, a great story. And and so you've been involved in the materials side, the building materials construction side for a long time. How did you get into that? So it's a great question. So I got my undergraduate degree 
came out of the University of Michigan with a degree in marketing and under with a minor in economics, went to work for a company called Dodge. They were part of McGraw-Hill Construction at the time, and they were called the FW Dodge Corporation, a division of McGraw-Hill Publishing. And I started with them in 1982 and was there for about 18 years. Through that period, I worked with nothing but building product manufacturers. And so during that 18 years, at the very end for the last several years, I, I was running a group called Enterprise, which was just myself and six other economists. And we worked with the manufacturers on building product demand models, where to put their salespeople, where to put their distribution channels based upon historic construction and the forecast of current construction and the kind of materials they manufactured. And it was all commercial. Some were combinations, but the specialty was commercial building products. And then I went from there. I, I went after 18 years, the company I just mentioned with the throwing out the baseball was the Hager companies in St. Louis, their family owned at that time, 150 year old company were their fifth generation owners. And they'd recruited me to come in and essentially put together sales and marketing. But within a couple of years, I had created three new product families. They were just mainly a hinge. And what you would call a flat goods company, flat goods would be the kick plates on a door or the pull plates. And then we branched out into locks, closers, and panic hardware. And we sourced all that out of China and Taiwan. Then I moved into that, did that for nine years, went from there on my own, went into the BIM area as a consultant, consulted building product manufacturers, kind of got pulled kicking and screaming into the BIM world. And then from there, I went on to run marketing for a company called Flactwoods out of Sweden for their U.S. operations, which were HVAC related. And that was only there for about a year and a half or so. And then moved to a company called the Blue Book Building and Construction Network as their chief economist and head of their manufacturing strategy group. And then after a couple of years, I got an opportunity to do a startup for a company called BIM Object out of Sweden. So I did their U.S. startup under a two-year contract. I ran that group on January 1st of 2016. I was their only employee in the U.S. And by the end of 2017, they had 20, we had 20 employees and the largest BIM platform in the world, in the United States. A lot of that came from an acquisition of Autodesk Seek, which was another, which was at that point, the largest BIM cat platform in the United States. And we, we acquired that and all their employees. So. During that time, once we acquired Seek, I'd gotten a lot of attention from the press release from one of those, those companies was MasterSpec. MasterSpec is a product of the American Institute of Architects. It's the largest specification platform in the world. Only a US, they're only U.S.-based, but there are architects throughout the globe that use it to specify products in the United States for buildings here. I worked with them while I was at BIM Object, and when I left BIM Object at the end of 2017. I took a few months off and I consulted for them. They were owned by, I mean, MasterSpec is a brand. It was owned by a company called Avitru. And so we were, it was MasterSpec, but I, my paycheck said Avitru on it. So I worked for them and then we were acquired by a company called Deltech. Deltech is a large supply ERP platform, accounting software to architects, engineers, and contractors. So they're pretty big. I mean, they do a lot of work for the federal government. And then they took over MasterSpec. And so MasterSpec sells software to the architect and engineering community for spec. 
I was on the manufacturing side, and the sister company to Dell Tech, owned by Roper Technologies, is a company called Construct Connect. So I and my team went over to Construct Connect, and so now I'm an official employee of Construct Connect, but I mainly run Master Spec, and Construct Connect is a competitor of Dodge, so I also work with all their data tools and things like that. So that's where I'm at. That's all I really do. It's all I've really done to us is work with building product manufacturers for now most of my life. I wouldn't say my adult life, most of my life. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's great. I mean, I, I love you just breaking that all down. Mm-hmm. What have you learned in that period of time, working on the data side, understanding that side, working on the building materials side of things? What are the key insights that you've sort of seen over and over? Well, I think that the one thing I learned when I was at McGraw-Hill Construction or Dodge for 18 years was that as I worked with building product manufacturers, the one thing, no matter whether they make an HVAC unit or they make windows or or roofing products, is they all need, in order to get their brands built, they need to be specified by whoever writes those kinds of specs. So if if it's a roofing system or a drywall or interior, they need to get the attention of architectural specifiers, whether that's the architect themselves. And many times it's not. Many times they're professional specifiers that work for those architectural firms. If it's an HVAC or electrical products, they need to get the attention of the consulting engineers or the engineers in order to get into those documents. The one thing that as I, as I move from McGraw-Hill to, to McGraw-Hill Dodge to Hager, the one thing you understand is that There's no, I mean, we were very academic at Dodge. Mm -hmm. Once you become a manufacturer and executive or working for a manufacturer, you realize that spec is only the first part of it, that you have to defend those specs downstream because of pricing, right? Once a product is specified, the importance of a specified product is it does get you a seat at the table for bidding the project. So if you're one of three manufacturers or one of three or four, whatever's in the spec, the general contractor, no matter what the building product, is going to find out who's selling that in the local area. So if you've got a distributor, if you're a building product manufacturer, you've got a distributor, a, a group that you're selling through, or a or subcontractors, they're going to request a quote. So you don't even need to know about the job as a BPM. That's an acronym we use a lot, BPMs for building product manufacturers. You don't even need to know about the job. If you're spec, you're going to get asked to quote. It does a couple things. It more than anything, guarantees the mind share of your distribution network. Because in many cases, if not most, building product manufacturers, customers carry their competition too. So like in door hardware, we were always battling, at Hager, we were always battling Asa Abloy and now a Legion, which has Schlage locks and Ives hinges and things like that. So you needed to get, to get the distributor's mind share. If you're specced, they're going to be forced to quote your product. If not, you're working an uphill battle and you're always going to buy the job at that point. So getting specified, but then also following those projects down to your distribution channel to make sure one, if you are spec'd, that you alert your distribution, that you are you've got projects coming up that you're specified on to to make sure that you you defend your your pricing and things like that. Mm. I guess to, to finish that part of your question off, Tots, I would say you need a defendable spec. It's not just your name. Because what happens is if you get named, they say, okay, this person makes this kind of window also. So they download it out of, let's say, out of master spec. You're in there as a basic listed for free. 
if you're in there and it's just your name, your chances of being value engineered out are very high. If it's, if it's your name and your defendable attribution, your unique selling features, then the architect can say, no, you can't sub that for price. It needs to meet all of that criteria. Makes it harder to sub it out then. Yeah, yeah. So I guess so I was going to ask about how do you defend against it? But you're saying, you know, having those attributes listed out or communicated is, is the way you'd mainly defend it. So, I mean, as many ways building product manufacturers, the platform, the, the master spec platform is owned by the American Institute of Architects. So it's very powerful. Mm-hmm. But there's also others out there that, that compete with master spec or even having it. I mean, the most important place for you to have any of your content, whether you have it through master spec or a th- other third party provider, is a link to it on your website. Architects and engineers trust the content on your website more than they do on master spec or anybody else, whether it's a BIM file, it's just a, a spec file, they're going to want to go. And, and so, and if it's on your website, make sure that it's a professionally written specification that somebody in your company has had input on so that it separates you from everybody else, right? You know, you got to have something in there that's either, there's always going to be folks out there that you either mimic or they mimic you. But at the end of the day, that's only going to be a very small group. And they have those attributions, whether they're testing attributions or something about your product that's more efficient. That's, those are very key things for you to be able to keep from getting value engineered out by a very aggressive contracting community. Yeah. So you mentioned you've been involved in launching newer initiatives or newer products and adding to lines and stuff. What are the keys there? What are the things to watch for? When you're, when you're developing new product lines? Yeah, and you were involved in some startups. You were involved mm-hmm. in new product lines. What do you think about there? Well, as a building product manufacturer, I think you need to look at your, you know, the one thing I noticed real quick when I joined Hager was we were really famous for hinges, the largest hinge line in the world. I mean, most specified hinge lines still. But at that time, Asa Abloy and Ingersoll Rand, who is now a legion, they were going to start giving hinges away if you bought their entire door system. And I told the Hager family, free is going to be hard to compete with. <laughs> so even though we got this great hinge. So it was a gap analysis. I mean, I think you really need to understand where your, where your product gaps are in relation to your competition. You don't have to add everything they have. You have to add only those things that give, that give value to your, to your offering because architects and engineers don't want to go everywhere. If they can find one company that they can get most of the, but I would say the home run kind of products from, they're going to keep going back there again and again because they have other things to do like all of us, right? So make sure your breadth of line is, is intact. Always be ahead of your... I mean, if you see problems in the industry that a new product or a tweak to a product you currently have could solve, get that done. You, know? you don't have to necessarily make the product on your own. You can source these things by other companies that do it better than you do at that point, and they'll do it private label. You just have to make sure that you get your own that you achieve your own test results and own the warranty on it. Outside of building products in the technology space, it's a brave new world out there, Tess. It's a, <laughs> there's a lot of promises going on to the manufacturing group about you better get into the BIM space or you're going to go out of business kind of stuff. And that's certainly not true. I would say in the technology space right now, there's a great opportunity for any, anyone who can, can make it easier for architects and engineers and contractors to integrate building products into their models. That certainly has not been something that's been perfected. Yeah, for sure. There is a large, there is a lot of architects and engineers that, and it's, 
that are adopting uh, as a technology within their offices. And that's a smart thing to do. And they've moved way down that road already. So especially with, with uh, integrated project delivery as a, and design build and CM at risk as, as preferable new methods of contracting, those technologies fit perfectly in there. The thing they're having a hard time with is working with building products hmm. and those models. Yeah, Either sure. the model's too heavy or the model's too light. And the manufacturers can't have 20 different models. I mean, so that's one of the, that's, so that's, that's an area that I think that, that somebody in the tech world has an opportunity mm, yeah. to help, to help the users of building products and BIM models make it more flexible, I guess. Yeah. Those are some good insights. Now you mentioned earlier about using data to figure out where to distribute your sales team and opportunities. Walk me through that process. You know, as a materials manufacturer, how should they approach that? Who should they need to partner with? And what are the what are the key pieces of the data they need to look at? Well, I would say that a lot of manufacturers right now aren't even doing the basics. Just taking advantage of, I don't know how many times when I was doing my own, running my own business, I used census data, construction spending census data that's broken out into several different project types and mapping, see if you're trending. So like a lot of manufacturers in times when times are good, your sales are growing, right? But are your sales growing with the industry? Because you could be losing. I've worked with so many building product manufacturers to say, well, we've grown X amount. Yeah, but the industry's grown more than that. You've actually lost market share. And the danger in that is when the economy slows down, which it always does, it's cyclical, you're going to find yourself on the outside looking in from a market share perspective. So even though you're growing, are you growing at an acceptable rate to the industry? You can use free information from the Census Department, which is updated every month, or you can get even what I did at Hager was I used at that point in time Dodge data, which was a start series, which means it's normally when the project starts, it means it's awarded to the general contractor. You can actually forecast with lag when those jobs are going to start and use that to forecast material demand, headcount at the plants, and things like that. It gets more sophisticated, but certainly, and now, now since I'm here, Construct Connect offers the same data as Dodge. So we can, you know, I, I would ideally just start with the basics. If you don't know how to do that, work on that. And then certainly one Dodge or Construct Connect or other folks out there, mainly that those two companies can help you with more sophisticated product demand models. Then just one, one, make sure you're tracking with the industry. Two, figure out what that market share is. Once you've got market share, you can use these more sophisticated tools to to forecast your entire business. You can have an entire data-driven strategy around that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, fundamentals are important. Now, there's there's a lot happening in the industry right now, mm -hmm. and who knows how it'll settle out, but what are your thoughts on the trends that are sort of driving the industry and that, or you're tracking very closely? Well, I spend a lot of time tracking in the past and still to a very large extent, as I mentioned, construction processes, construction delivery processes. In the U.S., so much of it was design, bid, build, which was siloed. The architects worked with the owner on design. They put it out for, they put it out for general contract bids. And the, to do that, did you, you get a group of GCs, and what they're doing is they're sourcing subcontract bids, right, and collecting all this. Subcontractors reaching out to the building product manufacturers to get their bids. So that is kind of an archaic way of doing things. 
But today's world, we're starting to move into more, especially with technology, with BIM, growing areas like CM at risk, construction manager at risk, or or integrated project delivery, you're going to hear IPD, and then then also just design build, which is probably the most famous of those three alternatives. I track the usage of those because that changes a lot of things. The contractors are a lot more involved in product decisions than, than in the old process. So I do stay quite a bit on top of, of how that industry is changing. With Construct Connect's data, we can actually tell by during the reporting process what kind of project it is, whether it's design build or design bid build or whatever. Yeah. So, but I think that's an area that makes a, I don't think the manufacturers really appreciate how big of a deal that is when they're selling into it, hmm. how it impacts things. Yeah, for sure. So I saw now just going to another social media platform and you talked about you're a fly fishing hippie. What's that all about? <laughs> well, I am an avid fly fisherman. I, I have to give credit to the Hager family and specifically to Charlie Hager for when I was late thirties to 40. When I first started there, we went on, we did customer trips really well. And we took them to, we took the customers to the Bahamas to go bone fishing. And Charlie and I went down a couple of days early to kind of figure things out. And he taught me how to fly fish in the ocean, which most people don't learn how to fly fish in the ocean, but I learned how to fly fish in the ocean. And then it just, the bug hit me. So I've got seven, 10 fly rods and I fly fish for bluegill and bass and all the way up to Tarpon in Fort Myers, Florida. So it's probably my biggest outside of what I do every day passion. Wonderful. Thank you for asking that. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. So, I mean, let's see if you could go back in time and go back to your young self and, and give yourself some advice. What would that advice be? Hmm. That's like an interview question. That's right. <laughs> if you, if you could get to do some advice. That's a hard one, Tots. I mean, I don't know that I would do anything different. I would say go with your passion. I mean, if somebody would have told me, I'm not a very good carpenter. I don't really know how to build anything. If somebody would have told me I was going to be this, you know, this building product manufacturing advisor at my age, or have run, been an executive at two building product companies and a BIM guy, I would have said, you're crazy. I'm going to be out changing. I was, I'm a child of the 70s, went to two liberal universities. I thought I'd be doing something completely, maybe a lawyer or something. But uh, one thing led to another. I mean, got recruited by McGraw-Hill, wound up working at Dodge. And here I am today talking to you. Yeah. So well, don't, ever, don't ever rule anything out. You just never know where, where life's going to take you. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. So is there anything that I did not ask you but should have? Well, you've asked me about my about throwing pitches out and uh, fly fishing. That's pretty. That's getting pretty much in the weeds with me. So, no, I can't really think of anything else. I would just say, you know, to building product manufacturers, make stay with the fundamentals. Do data. It's, it's easy to get caught up in the day to day. It's easy to get caught up with, oh, we had something go wrong at the plant, or we did a bad project in Dubai, or, or whatever. But and you always have to deal with those things. But you make sure you stick. Keep. Keep your eye on the fundamentals. Yeah. And That's if they need any help, you know where to come. Absolutely. Thank you, Doug. Appreciate you sharing your knowledge. Thank you for having me, Tots. Thank you for listening to the Specified Growth Podcast today. I also want to thank the listeners who are working hard each day to change the world to make it a better place. 
make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash cats talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes, entrepreneurial tips, and more. See you over there. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.